Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We have pastors standing by every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time standing by to take your calls to answer your questions about the Bible and to pray for your prayer needs. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. I want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and into Southern Wyoming today on Grace FM. Today is May 6th. You're hearing this program live today. It's a Friday, beautiful day here in Colorado. Weather's certainly getting a lot warmer than it was for the past uh, couple months and weeks. Uh, So welcome to those of you listening here on Grace FM. I also want to welcome those listening on the Grace FM app and Grace FM com. If you don't yet have the Grace FM app, really recommend that you do that. It's a free app for your Android and Apple devices. Uh, you can go ahead and get that. We also have a few other cool ways for you to listen live, and that is uh, there are smart speaker stations, so you can tell your smart speaker to tune in to Grace FM, and you can listen live to this and all the other great programming on this station. But if you get that Grace FM app, put that on your phone, the cool thing is that you'll be able to listen anywhere in the world and uh, anytime you can just tune in and and listen. So we know that we have many listeners who do tune in that way, uh, either there or on gracefm.com. I'm just looking at the map right now. We have some listeners today in the Bay Area of California, some listeners up in Washington and into Oregon, listeners in Texas and Kansas, a lot here along the front range of the Rockies. Got some in the Tennessee area as well as in the African continent today. So wherever you're tuning in from, we're glad to have you with us. We also want to greet our listeners who are listening on the Radio by Grace uh, network of stations all over the U.S., particularly in the southern states based out of Amarillo, Texas. Um, We're so glad to have you be part of this family as well, and you're also hearing the show live today. We want to welcome those listening on Hope FM on the East Coast, on Truth FM in Tennessee, and in high, on Higher Rock Radio in Idaho. Welcome to the program. Those of you on Hope FM, Truth FM, and Higher Rock, you're hearing the show on a one-week delay, so we just want you to be aware of that in case you hear anything in the discussion that would make you wonder about that. But also, keep in mind that you have a unique opportunity where give us a call, definitely participate in the show, and then you know that your show that you called in on or texted us in on We'll air a week later, and maybe you can use that week to tell other people about the station, and maybe God will use that to get them listening in uh, 
in their area to the Bible teaching and to this program as well. So welcome to all of you who are tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from. Uh, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And I'm your host here every Friday. The church I pastor, Whitefields Community Church, you can find more information about us online at whitefieldschurch.com. We're a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church here in the great city of Longmont on the Front Range of Colorado. And if you are within driving distance of Longmont, then consider this a personal invitation from me to you to come out and worship with us this Sunday. If you're looking for a place that teaches the Bible, where your kids can grow, where your family can get planted and grow in the Lord, then hopefully this is the place for you. So we'd love to have you come out and worship with us, particularly this Sunday would be a great time to invite somebody. This Sunday is going to be Mother's Day Sunday. And for us, that's a, that's a big opportunity for us to invite and welcome people into our church who maybe don't usually come. So we always say, moms, bring your kids, and kids, bring your moms on Mother's Day. And what we're doing as a church, I know lots of churches might have um, have similar things, but what we're doing is we got the Sweet Cow ice cream truck. Sweet Cow's a local Boulder County ice cream company, and they uh, have an ice cream truck. So it's kind of a food truck that serves ice cream. So they're going to be here for all three of our services on Sunday morning. And every woman, whether you're a mom or not, every woman who comes in our door gets a voucher and you can have a Sweet Cow ice cream on us, uh, dads and men. You are welcome to purchase one, or maybe, you know, your wife will let you share hers. Who knows? I guess you'll have to find out. But we'd love to have you come. We have three services on Sunday mornings, 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come out and worship with us. This Sunday, we are in a series which we're studying through the Gospel of John. But this Sunday, we have a special guest, a friend of our church and a friend of mine personally. His name is Dominic Doan. And he is a speaker, author, and pastor. And Dominic recently wrote a new book called Your Longing Has a Name. And I, I'm just going to give away the ending, right? The name of your longing is actually Jesus. And so he's going to be talking about that and about our souls and how our souls long for Jesus and find their rest in him. And so it's a it's a great time. It'll be a evangelistic message for you to bring friends and family too. So we hope that you'll come and worship with us this Sunday for Mother's Day. If you're in the area, you can find our address and directions again on our website or just by looking us up. Whitefieldschurch.com is our website. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday. Where we're located, we're right between I-25 and County Line Road on Highway 119. So really centrally located, both for those coming from outside of Longmont and those inside of Longmont. So we'd love to have you join us and study the Word with us this Sunday. Again, the number to call here on Calvary Live is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336- 0897. Let's go to our first caller, Kathy in New Jersey. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to the program. Hi. Um, I'm calling. I'm actually looking for prayer for my son. Okay. He's, a, he's, a, um, he's into drugs and um, he's on the streets in Philadelphia and I can't seem to get him into a rehab. And every time he says he's going to go, he just doesn't go. And he's pretty sick. Yeah. I'm sure it must be heartbreaking. So let's pray for him. 
Heavenly Father, we lift up Kathy's son to you. Lord, it's just our, our hearts break along with her. But Lord, you know truly only the, the pain that she feels, the frustration. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd be near to her during this time. Lord, that she would feel your presence. And Lord, that she would sense your strength in her life, carrying her through. And Lord, I ask that you give her a lot of wisdom with how to reach her son. Lord, how to speak to him in a way that would really... Uh, break through the fog of the drugs and whatever's keeping him there on the streets, whether it's a physical addiction or the other people. Lord, I pray that you would do something in his life, kind of like the Apostle Paul, where even though Paul wasn't looking for you, you came looking for him and you broke through uh, the the haze in his life that he couldn't see things. And um, yeah, Lord, I just ask that you would cause the scales to fall from his eyes break the physical addiction and draw him to yourself. And so Lord, we, we ask for, for a true breakthrough in Kathy's son's life and Lord help her. We, we also pray Lord, protect him as he's out there on the streets. You know, it's a dangerous place to be. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you would protect him and that he would turn to you seeing your faithfulness in his life. So Lord, please save this young man. We ask in Jesus name. Amen. And thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for calling in, Kathy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm with you every Friday, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. You can call us, and maybe you've been reading the Bible, and you've come across a passage which you were unsure about, like, what, what does this mean? Or maybe there's something going on in society that you've been wondering, like, what does the Bible have to say about this? That Those are all great things to call in about. So give us a call, 303-690-3000, or give us a call with your prayer requests. Like, Kathy, maybe there's something going on in your life where it's not so much a question, it's just you need prayer. And I would encourage you, if that's you, give us a call because there are a lot of people tuning into this program from all over the United States and even outside the United States who would love to lift up your prayer request and pray with you and pray for you. So give us a call 303-690-3000 or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our text line. Uh, we have someone who texts in and says, what is a prosperity preacher? Yeah, so a prosperity preacher, that, that's a term that we use for somebody who preaches a message. They would call it a gospel. I would call it a false gospel, and I'll explain why. Uh, they preach a message that says that if you are walking in God's good graces, right? So if you're not living in sin, if you're uh, doing what God desires you to do, then you will be um, wealthy increasingly wealthy, you'll be prosperous physically, right? Materially, and you will be healthy. And so then they would say, if someone is not healthy, or if they um, are, you know, not doing well financially, then that is a sign that there must be some kind of secret sin in that person's life. And um, they're not in God's blessings, right? They're not under the spout spout where the blessings come out, if you will. And so they preach this message. And of course, this message is very popular with some people, particularly it tends to be popular, not with people who have money, but with people who don't have money, uh, because it 
basically says, hey, if you want to have money, then here are the things you need to do. And one of their favorite tactics is this idea of seed faith, where they say, if you um, will, you know, invest into this ministry, then God will, which means, you know, give money to the preacher and his ministry, then God will um, bless you financially by giving you 10 times, 100 times more. And I've even heard it, you know, it's very popular. These people tend to be on TV sometimes. And so they'll say things like, oh, you know, it's not really even a risk. It's not even an investment. So, you know, the more you give, the more you'll get in return. So why don't you, you know, pull out your savings and give it to our ministry. And, you know, if you give us a thousand dollars and you'll get a hundred thousand dollars in return. So first of all, there's so many problems with this. One of them is that it's transactional, right? So it takes away from the fact of who God is and his sovereignty. I love what it says in Psalm 84. It says, God is in heaven and he does whatever he wants, which means that God is a free range God. And I think this is the thing. If you go back and you look at the um, examples in the Bible, like let's say the golden calf is a perfect example of this. When you look at all the idols that people created, the false gods that they worshiped, you find a commonality between them. And the commonality is that, um, many people want a God that they can manipulate, right? So they want a God who is more powerful than they are because we realize that we have limitations and we need a God who can do things that we can't do, right? The big man upstairs, if you will. And so we want a God who's more powerful than we are, but we still want one who we can kind of twist his arm or we can kind of, you know, like a horse, you know, uh, pull the reins a little bit and navigate him where we want him to go. Okay, now do this. Okay, now jump through this hoop. Okay, now give me this. And um, and that that's what they, I think, what they think in theory that they want their relationship with God to be like. Or, or they want God to be kind of like a genie in the bottle, right? So he kind of stays in the lamp and doesn't bug you until you want something, and then you rub the lamp, say the magic words, and he's obligated to give you what you want as long as you, you know, follow the right procedure. So I would say this is all related to this idea of using God. I would call it a mercenary relationship with God. You essentially are trying to use God rather than worship God and submit to him. And, um, you know, so rather than a God that we worship and submit to and surrender to, which, by the way, surrender is the essence of worship, you're looking for a God who you can use right? A personal genie or somebody who will uh, make you prosperous if you, you know, uh, follow the right procedures. So again, it, who does it put as the hero in the story? It puts you as the hero of your own story, right? And God is your sidekick, your helper, uh, who helps you accomplish what you want to accomplish, rather than the other way around, where God is the hero and you are getting on board with him. You are joining him. He is the great champion and hero. And, um, and it's a completely backwards way of looking at God. And the other thing that happens is that it doesn't work. Okay, So on the one hand, it, it, it's bad theology. On the other hand, it doesn't work in the long term. Because if you think about it, I mean, it's, you might become prosperous in this life. Or you might not. But here's the other thing. Even if you become prosperous, there will come a time in your life when you will get old enough, when uh, things will happen, and you will lose everything. We came into this world naked and with nothing, and that is exactly how we will all leave this world. I had the privilege today of visiting 
a dear woman who was part of our church community for several years until she went into a nursing care. And then uh, now she's in hospice. And, you know, I mean, this is just the cycle of life on this fallen world. And thankfully, we have the hope of the resurrection, the hope of the gospel that we can turn to and gives us, you know, um, hope in the midst of the dreariness of this world, which is an exceedingly good hope. It's the basis of our joy as Christians in the midst of the journey. But, you know, it just becomes very apparent that death is inescapable. And not only that, but this life, as you get older, it takes away everything you ever had. And so if, look, if your only hope in this life is to be healthy and prosperous, that's just not frankly good enough because it's only going to last for a little bit. And then you will follow the path of everybody else. You'll lose everything you had, everyone you had, and you will lose your own life. And you might say, Nick, you're depressing me. Well, I sure hope so, because without Jesus, without the hope of the gospel, that is exactly what this life is. And so we need a hope that goes beyond this. And we have that in the gospel, in the gospel message of Jesus Christ, which says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life, everlasting life. That's where it's at. And so um, I would just say, yeah, what is a prosperity preacher? It's somebody who preaches a false gospel that makes God a utility that you use in order to become prosperous. And it, it, it encourages a transactional way of re relating to God so that you can use him to get more of what you want, whether that is uh, wealth, finances, or any other thing that you might want. Um, and yeah, it is what we would call anathema, which means that it is a false gospel. Paul says in his letter to the Galatians, he mentions, um, you know, if, if anybody should preach to you another gospel. So he mentions that there are other competing gospels, right? So we have the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then we have other competing gospels. And he says that those gospels will sometimes be taught by people under the guise of Christianity. You know, whether it's a gospel of legalism, whether it's a gospel of, um, you know, material prosperity, those kinds of things. What we need is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of redemption, forgiveness, and new life in him. And so that's, uh, that's what I'm hoping in, and I hope that you are too. So thank you for that text message. It's a good one. And we've gotten questions about that before that I haven't been able to answer. So I'm glad that we had some time to do that on today's show. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. We've got all open lines right now, which means that it is a great time for you to call in. We can get you on the air pretty quickly with your questions, whether they're questions about the Bible or whether they are questions, uh, well, not questions, but they are um prayer requests that you would like us to pray for on the air, we'd love to do that. So give us a call one more time, 303-690-3000. We got a text message asking me about my travels to help Ukrainians. Yeah, so I, I told you a while back that our church is very involved. So we've been involved in ministry in Eastern Europe for 20 years, you know, and so um, when the when this terrible war started in Ukraine, um, 
I was actually scheduled to be in Kiev the week that it started and my flight of course got canceled. Instead, I ended up flying to Budapest and um, going up into the east of Hungary and we were able to do a lot to help Ukrainian people. Since then, this is amazing. Check this out. Just our church in Longmont, uh, we've had people give uh, upwards of $100,000 over the past two months for Ukraine relief, and we have already spent and dispersed over $80,000 of that. This week, we just bought another van to help in the region called Donbass, which is really the, the hottest part of the conflict right now. And what we're doing is we're, we have Christians who are a little further west in Ukraine, and they're able to bring in supplies, and they're able to take out people. As So they bring in the supplies, and some of those are like insulin, uh, baby formula. I mean, things which are really crucial and really hard to get right now in many places. So uh, one of the most important things we've been able to help with is buying these big vehicles to both transport aid and uh, to get people out of the conflict zones. Uh, in addition to that, we've been supporting some actual outreaches that are helping to preach the gospel amongst the refugee populations in Poland and Hungary and also in Romania. And uh, yeah, just doing some other things. This week we sent uh, several thousand dollars to a church to help them make some repairs and to upgrade some things that they needed so that they would be able to continue their mission there on the ground where they are uh, housing people and things like that. So I would love it if you would pray for our um, outreach and our partners in Ukraine and the good gospel work that they are doing. And if any of you are inclined to give and you're looking for a place to do that, we are just like, like I said, we know people. We've had a decades-long relationship with people who now are finding themselves in a conflict zone. And what we're able to do is just get money to them directly without taking any overhead off of it. So 100% goes straight to people on the ground making a difference. And if you want to give, you can do that. There, I know that there are several places that are doing it, but sometimes it can be hard to know where to give effectively. So one way you can do it is through our church, and you can go to whitefieldschurch.com. If you click the button to give online, you'll see the option there for the Ukraine Relief Fund. Let's go to our next caller, Sherry in Colorado. Hi, Sherry. Welcome to the program. Sherry. Okay. Well, Sherry had a prayer request. She wanted us to pray for her daughter who's graduating from high school. So we'd love to do that. Let's do that right now. Heavenly Father, we pray for Sherry and we pray for her daughter as her daughter's graduating high school. And we, we think also of the other, uh, other listeners who have children graduating from high school. Lord, we ask that you would give her daughter wisdom and discernment beyond her years. Lord, we pray that you would really bless her with a lot of godly wisdom and discernment as she steps out into the next phase of her life. Lord, we pray that she would be rooted and grounded in you and that she would grow in the knowledge of you. And Lord, that she would, as she steps out into this next phase of life, that the defining factor in her life would be that she knows you and walks with you more than a career, more than a relationship with, with another person. Lord, my, my prayer for Sherry's daughter is that she would know you and walk with you and that that would characterize her life for these next several years as she leaves high school and moves on. I pray you give her peers who are Christians and Lord, direct her and open doors for her. Make it clear to her which are the ones she should walk through and which are the ones she should not. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
thanks Sherry for calling us and for um, asking for prayer for your daughter. And I just think, yeah, that just extends to others who are graduating from high school, such an important time in life. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Call us with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Michael in Parker, Colorado. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. Uh, I'm calling about actually kind of a a two-pronged question here. I think the Bible clearly states in 1 Thessalonians and also in the first couple of verses of Revelation 4 that uh, of the rapture and I'm I'm I don't understand why there are many um pastors or or people in in uh you know who are somewhat even famous who deny that the rapture is part of the end times and also um I'm curious about the the conflict of pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation, and is that a secondary issue? Is that a a primary issue as Christians we should we should think about? I'd just like your feelings on that, please. Yeah, so first of all, I don't think it's a—, a well, okay, let's put it this way. We have to define a few terms. One is, okay— is our eschatology, is eschatology a primary Christian issue? Meaning like if we would say that there's a level one issues, those are the levels about which we say you have to believe these things in order to be a Christian. Like if you don't believe these things, you are not a Christian. Um, I think that that is a, um, a, a legitimate, you know, thing to say. So, okay, eschatology. Well, I would say having certain eschatological views are primary. And let's define what those are. First of all, eschatology is things pertaining to the end times. And, um, you know, that includes a few really important things. Is Jesus going to return? I think that we would say yes, and that is a primary issue, right? That is a defining issue of Christianity. And if you don't believe in that, then we really have to question whether or not you're a Christian. Um, So now the question is, how will he return and when will he return? Furthermore, I would add this. The idea of a rapture is something that I actually think that all Christians do believe, at least all faithful Christians. The question is really a matter of when this rapture takes place and how the return of Jesus takes place. Basically, the timeline is what people uh, have differing views on, but I wouldn't say that, I don't think anybody actually who's a true faithful Christian denies the rapture because it says in First Thessalonians chapter four that we will be caught up. And so a person who says, no, we won't be caught up is literally saying that they don't believe what the Bible says is true. Now, so let's put it this way. Bible-believing Christians can still have differing opinions, and that, and that this is where we get to secondary issues, right? Like the mode of baptism is a secondary issue, whereas baptism is a primary issue, right? The gifts of the Holy Spirit and the way they're used is a secondary issue, uh, whereas believing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit is a primary issue, right? So uh, when it comes to the rapture and, and when it takes place in the timeline, that's really the issue. 
uh, that's at debate. And the reason it's at debate is because if you even look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you'll notice um, there that is his point to actually describe the rapture? I, I personally don't think that 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is the best passage for describing what we're talking about when we say rapture, which is, to be more specific, a um, pre-tribulation rapture. Like, so if that's what we're talking about, oh, there's our music, which means we got to go to break. It's a great question, and I have a little bit more on this for you. So if you don't mind holding through the break, uh, we'll get to you right after this two-minute break. For our listeners out there, uh, when you get a chance, give us a call, 303-690-3000. We'll be right back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call, I think we've got one open line, so it'd be a good time to call in. If you've got a question about the Bible or a prayer request, give us a call at 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. So right before the break, we were talking to, and I can't remember the name, we were talking to uh, someone who had a question about the rapture and specifically like, oh, is Michael in Parker, Colorado? And he was asking, why do people not believe in the rapture? And is it a primary issue? So one of the things I said to Michael was that I think actually all Christians, if they're faithful, they do believe in the rapture, meaning that we will be caught up. Those who are alive when Jesus returns will be caught up to be with him in the air. The question is, when will that take place? Will it take place before the great tribulation? and God's judgment upon the earth. Some people say it will take place in the middle of the tribulation, but before the wrath of God is poured out. So before the what we might call the great tribulation, the time of great trouble described in Revelation and elsewhere. Or will it take place after the tribulation? So we call these views pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation rapture. Um, now, now, my view, of course, is that the rapture will take place prior to the wrath of God, and I actually believe it'll take place prior to the tribulation. So sometimes people differentiate between pre-trib or pre-tribulation and pre-wrath. There is a difference between the two, but I, I fall in the case of definitely pre-wrath and probably pre-tribulation. Now, let me explain why. I mentioned before the break that I don't think that... Um, 1 Thessalonians 4 is actually the best passage for believing in a pre-tribulation rapture. And I'll tell you why. Um, because it says there that we'll be caught up into the heavens, right? And those who are dead will, in Christ will be caught up as well, will meet in the air. And then it says, and we will be with the Lord forever. But a big part of the pre-tribulation rapture position is the idea that we will be up in heaven during the time of the tribulation, God's judgment being poured out on the earth, as described in Revelation. And then we will return with Jesus to the earth, 
and we will be here during what's called the millennium, the thousand year reign of Christ on the earth. So uh, someone texted in, in the meantime and said, well, okay, if you don't think that's the best passage for describing the rapture, then what do you think is the best passage for describing the rapture? Um, I, I think actually the best passage for describing the rapture, and, and what I mean specifically is the pre-tribulation and pre-wrath forms of the rapture, meaning that we would be caught up to God um, before those things take place. I think the best example is actually found in the book of Genesis, in the model that is laid out for us. So first of all, we see a model with Noah and his family, right? So God is going to bring a temporal judgment on the earth. And before he does so, he sends out a call for repentance. And basically anybody who's willing to repent can be saved from this outpouring of God's judgment on the earth for the sins that they've committed. Again, it's a temporal judgment, not an eternal judgment. The two are different. And before that happens, there's an opportunity to be saved. You're able to get onto the ark. And Noah and his family, the only righteous people who are willing to uh, repent and follow God, they are able to get onto the ark and they are saved through the judgment of God by being on the ark. Then a few chapters later, chapter 18, we see an example where God is going to bring another temporal judgment on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. But before he does that, he talks about, has this kind of conversation with Abraham about how he's going to not judge the city if there are a certain number of righteous people there. And then when it turns out there are only five righteous people in the whole city, rather than not judging the city, what God does is he brings those people out of the city before he brings the judgment. And there's this famous statement from Abraham there where Abraham says to God, far be it from you to do such a thing to kill the righteous along with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike, far be it from you. Now, remember, the context there is God's judgment. And I think the other really important passage is one that our caller Michael mentioned, which is uh, Genesis, or sorry, Revelation chapter 4, where it talks about how he says, after these things, which so Revelation 1 verse 19, we get an outline for the book of Revelation, the things that were, the things that are, the things that will be. So chapter four, verse one says, after these things, in other words, the things that will be begin now in chapter four, verse one, he says, I was caught up to heaven. I heard the sound of a trumpet. And then from heaven, he watches the tribulation take place on the earth along with many other saints. So to me, that's the best argument for a pre-tribulation rapture and certainly a pre-wrath rapture. Um, how important is the pre-mid-post distinction. I think there's, so with the pre-wrath and pre-trib, I don't think it really affects the way you live practically. With the pre, with the post-trib, I think it does because it tends to breed this thought in people's minds that says, I'm going to be under attack by my neighbors and therefore I need to load up on beans and canned foods and guns so I can shoot my neighbors when they come and try and take my food. To me, that just seems so antithetical to the gospel um, and I, I, again, would go back to the Genesis passages and the Revelation passages and say, I, it's not just that it doesn't work well. I, I also just think that that's clearly not what the Bible's teaching. So, uh, Michael, I appreciate the conversation. It's a good one and an important one. And theology does affect the way we live our lives. So keep reading that Bible. Keep seeking those answers. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Let's go to our next caller, Jim in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Jim. Welcome to the program. 
Hey, thank you. I've been ministering to a person for a couple of years now. Um, she was saved about a year and a half ago. And for the last six months, she she came to me the other day and she said she's been struggling and she thinks she's fallen away. So the first thing I did was reassure her that, you know, you've fallen away. Uh, it's different. There's, it sounds like you're backsliding. Backsliding and falling away are a different thing. If you're falling away, that means you're giving up on your faith. If you're backsliding, you're just having trouble um, uh, giving commitment. Uh, and you got to understand, you know, if you repent of the things you're doing, God will forgive you. Now I'm, I'm telling her that, but now for the last couple of days, I've been thinking to myself, am I giving her the wrong message? Because if she continues to, to drink or use drugs or whatever she's doing, if she continues to do that, despite that she knows it's wrong, there's going to be consequences. And I don't know how to present that to her. Yeah. So, yeah, Jim, that's that's awesome that you're doing that work. Uh, I just want you to know that, first of all. You're really, you know, that's the front line in the trenches stuff that you're doing. And I just, you know, I want to pray for God to strengthen you in it and give you wisdom. But I'll also just tell you the way I would address it is to say this. You know, I would tell her, hey, as long as there's breath in your lungs, there's hope for your soul. And, but the fact is there will come a day when that will run out and, um, and you need to prepare for that day because you don't know when it could be. And none of us are guaranteed a tomorrow. And if you are living in unrepentant rebellion against God, well, I mean, the Bible is very clear about what happens in those cases. I mean, that's, that's where Romans one comes into play and the judgment of God is revealed against all unrighteousness, those who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So, um, on the one hand, I would go ahead. So salvation. Well, yeah, I'm talking about salvation in the sense of, you know, if she's continually, um, rebelling against God, I think that there, that becomes an issue of resisting the Holy spirit. Um, as you know, that term is used in the book of acts. So I, I would just say this, that we also have to consider the fact that there's an issue here of addiction. And it also comes into play with this idea that this woman feels bad. And the question is, okay, is this the kind of bad feeling that says, oh, I feel bad about what I did, but I'm going to keep doing it anyway? Or is this the person who says, I desperately want to be set free from this, and yet I have a physical addiction to these substances? I think those are two very different attitudes and responses. Yeah. And so, you know, look, I'll, I'll put it this way. If there's somebody who comes and says, hey, they are totally repentant, broken over their sin, and they're seeking the Lord and saying, Lord, set me free from this. I want to be yours. I want to walk with you. You know, I have sinned and I do trust in Jesus. And yet every day, you know, they, they take a step and they fall. They take a step and they fall. But they, you know, that's a matter of the heart, right? Like, where's her heart at in this? Or is she just saying, man, I feel, I feel like a loser because I keep getting stuck in this, but I'm also not really you know, heartbroken over it to the point of, of truly um, seeking the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Truly facing it. Um, yeah, I, I, was, I told her 
I said, the fact that you're troubled over this leads me to believe you're saved, because if you weren't, you wouldn't, this wouldn't even be on your mind. I mean, was that a wrong mm-hmm. road to go down? No, I think that's a great point to make, but I would I would hesitate to say that that means that you're saved. Um, I'm not sure. I, none of us really ultimately know that's something that God knows. We can be sure, right, that if we are walking with God, like we truly have repented, we can be sure that we are truly saved. But in her case, right, this is a, this is a difficult one. I would put it this way. Um, now, that there's also the issue of like, has she truly repented? Has she, does she really believe? But I would put it this way. If she feels the pain of conviction, that is a good sign. It's a sign that she's feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I would just say, hey, the danger is that if you keep um, essentially kind of numbing or hardening your heart when the Holy Spirit pricks you, so to say, um, then what happens is that you'll develop a calloused heart to the point where when the Holy Spirit brings the conviction, you no longer feel it. And that's a very dangerous place to be. So when you can feel it, you know, that's a good sign. Um, and make sure that you respond appropriately. All righty. That helps me a lot. I'm going to uh, reapproach her next week. Uh, we meet again next week. Um, I'll, I'll walk it along those lines. That's a real tough thing because I don't want to discourage her, and yet you can't just keep doing this. <laughs> mm. Mm. Well, well Pastor, thank let's... you. If you would say a prayer for me and her, I'd appreciate it. Let's do it. Heavenly Father, I pray for Jim, and I pray for this woman he's been ministering to. Lord, would you please give Jim grace and wisdom and and perseverance to um, to continue ministering to this person, Lord. And I do pray for her, Lord, that she would truly be saved, that she would repent, and also, Lord, that you would set her free from this terrible addiction. Um, and so, Lord, please do your work in her life, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. You have a blessed day. Awesome. Great hearing from you, Jim. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. Let's go to our next caller, Eddie in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Eddie. Welcome to the program. Hi. I'm doing okay. I'm doing well. Yeah, I just want to know about women preaching. I had a lot of guys say a woman shouldn't teach a preach in the church. I shouldn't be a pastor. And I just want to know you, you guys' uh, concerns about that. What do you, you guys say? Yeah, so the reason why we say that is not because of, you know, chauvinism or or anything like that. The reason why it is because there are some passages in the Bible which outline uh roles in the church based on uh gender and sex, right? So when I say sex, what I mean is male and female. Uh the really relevant passages, I could give you a couple of them, but I think the most relevant passage is in First Timothy chapters 2 and 3. And the reason I say 2 and 3, some people only read 2 and other people only read 3, but you have to read them together because let's remember that the Bible, when it was written, right, didn't have, like Paul didn't say, okay, chapter 3, here we go, right? No, he was just, he's writing a letter. Now, people came later and so that the Bible would be easier to navigate, they broke it up into chapters and verses and all that stuff. But my point is, when this was originally written, 
It was a continuous line of thought. And so Paul says in chapter 2 of 1 Timothy, which, by the way, is a letter written to a pastor, and much of it concerns how he should govern and how he should lead his church that he is in charge of. And so here's one of the things he says. He says, um, verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Now, take those two things he says. He says, okay, teach or exercise authority over a man. Then go to chapter 3, verse 1. And then he gives, in the first seven verses of chapter 3, he gives the qualifications for, uh, some translations say, overseer, others say bishop, um, others say presbyter. But either way, uh, some say elder, right? So this is the office of, I think in our modern vernacular, we tend to refer to this person as an elder. Um, So the job of an elder in the church is to do two things, to teach and to exercise authority in the church, right? So in other words, do you get what I'm saying? The things that a woman is is told that she's not to do in the church is to teach and exercise authority and... The, the other thing that an elder is to do is to teach and exercise authority. So basically what it means is that uh, the role of elder is specifically reserved for men and not for women in the church. Now, what that means then is that women are absolutely not only allowed, but encouraged to do everything in the church except for be an elder, right? And so hold that role and position of elder. I'll give you a few examples. So when it says like, you know, Paul says a really kind of confusing passage in 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul says, I do not permit a woman to speak in church. But here's why that's so interesting. Because three chapters earlier, well, yeah, three chapters earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul gives guidelines for both men and women speaking, praying, and prophesying in the church. In other words, he says, here's the rule for women to prophesy in the church and to pray in the church. Well, listen, you can't prophesy without, you know, you're giving a message from the Lord. And that message is going to be, in some cases, instructive, right? Some people might learn something that they might not have known. If you pray, and let's say you pray based on scripture, and somebody accidentally learns something through your prayer, did you break a rule? Well, clearly, no, no, no. The issue is the office of elder. And so how that works out in the practicalities is something that differs from church to church, but we we should heed what the Bible has to say because it says it for a reason. So I'll tell you how it works in our church, um, that we, on Sunday mornings, uh, we have only pastors and elders teaching because our teaching on Sunday mornings is considered authoritative. So this gets back to the idea of teaching and authority. It's authoritative doctrinal teaching. And so we believe that that's reserved for the office of elder, which by the way, pastor is the function of an elder, right? So a pastor is one who, literally the word pastor in Latin means shepherd. And so we see that pastors are encouraged to shepherd the flocks of God that put under them. So we would say, that shepherding is the verb 
and elder is the noun, and some elders are teaching elders, we're told in the New Testament. So that's the logic behind it. Um, I hope that, does that help make sense of it? Yeah, but I got a question. In the, in the King James, it said, Paul said, I, he said again, he said, I suffered not a woman to teach or preach. So a lot of people are saying that he said it, it wasn't God, and then some people say that it says there's no male or female if you're in Christ. So yeah, I, someone no, that's preach. a that's a great uh, distinction. But let's uh, let's remember that we must always read things in context, right? So if we take a phrase out of the Bible, I could show you a phrase in the Bible where it says that there is no God, but if I read it in context, it says the fool says in his mind that there is no God. So we want to take things in context. So for example, that verse you mentioned about there being no male and female. In, the, in God's kingdom, that comes from Galatians chapter 3. And what Paul's saying there, though, is in reference to justification. In other words, in other, in, it's in reference to meaning there isn't a hierarchy where men are always more important than women in the, in the church or in God's kingdom. No, we're all equal, but when it comes to leadership roles, some are reserved for men. Actually, this one office is the only one that is reserved for men and not for women. And so, um, yeah, 1 Timothy 2.12 is the verse you're talking about. That comes from the same passage, right? I do not permit, or in your translation, suffer a woman to teach or exercise authority. Again, that has to be read in light of what he says in chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, where he says the role of an elder is to teach and exercise authority. So a woman shouldn't have authority over a man as nope. preaching and teaching. Okay, yeah, so that's the question. Some people take this to what I believe is an unbiblical extreme where they will say, no woman should ever have authority over a man. Therefore, women can't be bosses in their workplace. They can't be uh, officials in the government. And I would say that that's not at all what it says. Um, this is about in leadership in the church. And like I said, I keep coming back to this position of it's about the office of elder, and so again, in your, what we call ecclesiology, basically how it works out practically in your church situation is going to differ from church to church and it's differed historically. But, um, you know, can there ever be a time when a woman teaches a man? I think there can be, right? It depends on the topic. Let's think about children's ministry and, um, you know, can a woman teach a two-year-old boy? Okay. Can she teach a five-year-old boy? Can she teach a 10-year-old boy? Can she teach a 13-year-old boy? What about a 15-year-old boy, right? At what point? We're drawing an arbitrary line. And some people would say, oh, well, the Jewish culture, you know, they drew the line at 13 years old. Okay, but that's not even in the Bible, right? So if we're using the Bible for our, for our theology, then, you know, at what point do we say that that doesn't, that's no longer allowed? Can she teach a, a class on something that she's an expert on? Or is this re regarding only the office of elder and that authoritative doctrinal teaching that takes place, which is what I would say. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, thanks a lot and God bless you. Yeah. Thanks for the question. Great discussion. God bless you. Okay. Right, God bless bye -bye. you too. Thanks. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts live on the air. We have a text message that came in from Carol. Carol is uh, from our church community here in Longmont at Whitefields Church. And she said, please pray and ask listeners to pray for my grandson. He's 30 years old and the doctors are pretty sure that he has cancer. 
let's do that. And um, yeah, I'm Carol. I, I believe I know your grandson, and so um, yeah, we be praying for sure. Let's uh, let's pray for him now, and I ask all our listeners to pray for him as well. Heavenly Father, we, we lift up Carol's grandson to you, and um, Lord, we know that sickness is part of life in a fallen world, and yet we also know, Lord, that you have the power to heal. We, we know we saw you do it when you were here on earth. Uh, we see examples in the Bible of how you were able to heal people with just your word, even remotely. And so, Lord, we ask that you would heal Carol's grandson from what seems to be cancer. Lord, we pray that when the doctors examine him, they would find no cancer. Lord, we ask for him to be healed and for him to be well. Lord, that he would have many, many more years to live and that he would live for your glory. Lord, we, we pray that you'd be with the family as they're worried and concerned. Lord, help them to have trust in you and help them to have encouragement for this grandson as he's going through this himself. So, Lord, we ask just for mercy and grace upon him, and we ask for health in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Carol, thanks for writing in, and um, it is, uh, it's good to hear that need. Thank you, all of you out there, for, for praying for Carol and her grandson. We had another call, a um, person who called in asking for prayer um, for a new job, a new car, and an apartment. Her name's Ruth in New Jersey. Let's pray for her now. Heavenly Father, we pray for Ruth, and we pray, Lord, that she would be able to keep moving forward in faith, that she would take your hand and walk with you by faith. Lord, we pray that you would provide for her a job. We pray for her, Lord, that she would have a car so she can get to work. And we pray for her, Lord, that you give her a place to live in an apartment that's the right one in the right neighborhood. Lord, we pray that you would bless her with these things. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I am your host here every Friday on uh, Calvary Live. We take your calls and texts live on the air. Uh, we've come up to the end of our show, and so uh, we'll look at some more text messages. But before we do so, let me just take the opportunity to uh, personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Whitefields Church. It's going to be Mother's Day. And one of the things I always say to our congregation, I'll say it to you, this is a fabulous opportunity for you to uh, invite. So kids, invite your moms, right? So whoever you are, however old your mom is, invite her to church so she can hear about Jesus. Make sure you go to a church where she's going to hear about Jesus. And if you are a mom and uh, you have kids who don't regularly go to church, this is a great opportunity for you to tell them, hey, here's what I want to do for Mother's Day. I want you to go to church with me. And I'll tell you what, if you are in the Longmont area or within driving distance of Longmont and you want to come up this way, we'd love to have you. And we will make sure that your mom or your kids uh, or both <laughs> hear about Jesus this Sunday uh, we're going to have an ice cream truck out here serving ice cream to all the ladies. Get a free ice cream on us here at Whitefields this Sunday as just our gift to you. Uh, men, you can purchase one there. And uh, we also have a great speaker this Sunday. Uh, Dominic Doan, author and speaker, just wrote a great book called Your Longing Has a Name. And a course, I'm going to give it away. The name of your longing is Jesus, and he's going to explain what that is. But all that to say, uh, great opportunity to hear the gospel, bring somebody with you this Sunday at Whitefields, or um, if you're not in our local area, you can also check us out and watch our services online, whitefieldschurch.com. So whitefieldschurch.com, you'll get directions, 
you'll get uh, you can listen to past messages, etc. Okay, uh, with that, let's go to one last uh, text message that came in. Someone asked, "Is there a difference between the soul and the spirit?" Did you know this is actually a historical debate over whether there is a difference between the the soul and the spirit? Uh, it is called. You ready for this? The trichotomy view versus the dichotomy. So trichotomous versus dichotomous view. The dichotomous view says that the soul and the spirit are just two words which describe the same thing. The trichotomous view um, says, no, they can't be the same thing because there are several passages in the Bible, such as Romans 8, verse 16, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, Hebrews 4, 12, which actually lists the terms soul and spirit in the same verse as being different. And like, for example, Hebrews 4.12 talks about the division of soul and spirit, which might mean that they're very closely tied and yet distinct. So my my view on this personally is that um, the, the reason the Bible uses different words is because they're different things. Now, interestingly, uh, I know that Dominic Doan, our speaker this Sunday, he's going to be talking about what is the human soul from a Hebrew perspective, and that's going to be pretty cool. So maybe come out and check him out this Sunday at Whitefields Church in Longmont. Um, But beside that, thank you for tuning in today. God bless you. Have a great weekend. I hope it's great. Honor your moms and moms. Use the opportunity to share the good news about Jesus with your kids. You guys have a great night. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.